Hey everyone, welcome back to Rome is Home. So my wife and I, we just finally got back home from, what was it, a week? About a week? No, exactly a week. Exactly one week of sort of our trip that we mentioned before when we were in Montreal. So now we're all wrapped up. Got back in uh, just this morning on Saturday and uh, really... Well, we drove back, we left on Friday morning, but we stopped over at your parents because it makes the trip a little shorter for all of us especially for the girls but they were they were good yeah they were good uh we've been with Teresa, our eldest daughter we were pretty pretty good just because we've been doing a few trips back and forth to my parents place when when she was growing up and i think that's been kind of a blessing is that she's now a, a really good driver and well, she doesn't drive the car she's a good traveler <laughs> i hope one day she's a really good driver but yes excellent passenger <laughs> Um, yeah, sleeps sleeps well, just sits there, kind of keeps herself occupied. And it's interesting that, um, I mean, we have a few friends, um, couples that kind of say like, yeah, it's pretty rough traveling with their kids, even like short distances. So yes. it's funny, everyone will have their unique problems, kids not eating, not sleeping, uh, kids not sitting well during driving, but it doesn't seem like that's an issue for us, which is great. Yeah, so let's see how Monica does. But for the time being, she is not bad. For a baby, she's not bad at all. She cries a little bit, but she's either going to soothe herself back to sleep or we'll just stop, nurse her, and then continue the journey. And she bears it really well. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, Genevieve and I really like... We like the, we like driving. We like road trips because it's... I mean, for us... We really, it's kind of like even like a pastime activity. We kind of will like, let's take the kids and go for a drive. I guess for us, that's uh, a real good time just to kind of spend some time uh, together. But the kids are kind of quieted down and we get to kind of chat, get a coffee. And that's yeah. kind of a nice little thing we like to do. So in some ways, I guess we're helping ourselves in the future by getting our kids all exactly all trained up so we can keep on doing those things. Um, so that, that reminds me of a yeah. random story, but yeah. when Teresa was a baby, she she was colicky. She would cry for no reason, and one night she just she wouldn't cry. She wouldn't stop crying from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. She was cried, oh, like, was cried the, nonstop. That was like week two, right? That was. Uh, no, I think she maybe like she was like a month old. Month old so at that she time. was really young. Uh, okay, yeah. And uh, and it, that night there was it was snowing. It was snowing quite a bit, and we were. At the end, we didn't know what to do, so we just packed up and went for a drive, and she fell asleep. The, of all the things we tried, the car worked, and that's what every parent says, but that was she, a little... she, she fell asleep, and that was that felt so good. That was a little terrifying, though, because there was a snowstorm that day, and it's yeah. like 3 a.m., and we're driving around in a snowstorm. Lack of sleep, not the best move, but I think you know. Anyways, something needed to be done. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, she was, was. I mean, she was safe. Was, she was in her car seat, so I mean, yeah. We just needed to have a moment of break because it was. It was getting. It, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, like what? What do you do when your kid, your baby, cries and you don't know what to do? It's yeah. They don't prepare for you that in the, uh, the those post postnatal classes. Prenatal classes. Prenatal. <laughs> yeah, they don't tell you about like yeah. They prepare you up to delivery, but afterwards, anyways, all parents can kind of relate that yep. it's it's a uh, it's a total different game when you're. Uh, but you know what, Joey? I don't think you can ever be ready for it. No, I don't think so. I no. think if you wait to be ready to have a kid, you'll never have kids. No, I think that's it's true. That's you true. can you can read everything. We both have younger siblings. We experienced it as older siblings, but having a baby of your own is a totally different thing and you just yeah. learn you just learn as you go and even with the second one we're still learning no exactly exactly so 
we wanted to, I guess, in the first half of this the podcast, go through a little bit more detail on on our life here at uh, our hobby farm in Delhi, Ontario. Um, we kind of mentioned sort of our little journey, how we met in Toronto. We moved to Calgary, moved to Houston for a few years, and we'll touch a little bit more on each of those things. But we thought we'd spend a little time talking today about our little time here in the past two years at at our little hobby farm. You know, so we'll kind of dive into kind of life here, how it was, how we got the place, which was kind of a unique journey. And it just, was so hard to get this place. And just sort of the pros and cons of those who are maybe thinking of this, you know, idyllic life of being in the country, eight acre hobby farm. Um, there are some many great benefits to it, but uh, we can attest there are some really hard challenges as well. So I'll kind of just dive in. I mean, like, uh, even how we got the place. Um, so in, before, so we were living in Houston. I got the call back to go to uh, Ontario at one of the refineries at Imperial Oil. And I guess my time in Houston, I feel like I was getting a bit antsy. We lived in an apartment. It was great. We didn't have really much to do in terms of, like, projects and stuff. We were pretty much reading, sitting, enjoying life in Houston. But We had so much time on our hands. We were spending so much time together that sometimes I would just tell Joe, can you can you go out? Can you see friends? Wow. I want some time alone. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's so different from right now. The tables I'm, have turned completely. Exactly. Now I'm just starved for my husband's presence. Yeah. So. <laughs> so yeah, um, very, yeah, way too much time on our hands. And I kind of, I, my, my parents growing up, I mean, my, my folks kept us busy all the time. You know, my folks always kind of, they lived in sort of the, around the Toronto area, but they always had like a little farm property, some sort of crazy projects. So I was always exposed to that kind of outdoor, kind of hardworking atmosphere um, throughout my whole life. So I guess that was a little bit of, you know, something that was, I was longing for. And, uh, yeah, we were searching for a few places in, in, uh, around the area. Cause Hey, Nanakoke's basically in the, where I worked, it's, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. So you're like, you know what? We have a good opportunity to kind of find a place, try it out and uh, see how it goes. So we started looking for properties with a little bit of acreage. We didn't want much. We wanted maybe four or five acres and those places are really hard to find. It's really hard to find this in between most places have either one acre or 50 acres and um so we looked at a few places and we were very lucky that your parents were willing to visit some of our favorites uh, for us they visited one place that looked really good on on paper but then they said no this place is a dump you'll need to redo it completely so uh, it was very helpful to have them to scope out places for us and they're the ones who actually found this place uh, right now and we visited it and eight acres it was a little bit more than we wanted but the price was very reasonable and the distance was good it was what 35 minutes to work yeah the distance was good and you know at that point too i mean there were a few factors into why we kind of ended up with this place. Again, it, I definitely feel divine providence at this point. But uh, in Tilsenburg, which is just uh, about uh, 15 minutes away from our house right here, there's the... Um, at that point, I was also kind of discerning going into the secular Discalced Carmelites. Um, been reading St. Teresa of Avila's life. Felt very drawn to join the order here. And uh, coincidentally, they had a little group in Tilsenburg. So... I think that was kind of another sort of key piece, a little wink from God saying, yeah, this is kind of where I want you guys. So um, we settled here. Um, It was a bit of a chaotic journey. Uh, It was actually extremely painful getting all the paperwork done and everything because... So what what happened is that we were living in Houston, so we weren't here. So every time something happened, every time there was a paper to be signed, Joe had to fly, fly here to 
to make it happen. So it really. And sometimes, and sometimes that was I had to make the call like the, the same the, the day, day of. of. I'm like, yeah. it's noon, and basically, like, babe, I have to be out of here by six p.m. because I got to sign some papers tomorrow. And yeah. I burned through so many points. I slept in. A, I slept at the uh, DC airport. Yeah. And it's weird, weird people bothering me, but this is what we had to do. But it worked out because we were traveling quite a bit. We were in Houston, and we both went to Singapore, so that gave us a lot of aeroplane. Points. Yeah, and, so, uh, yeah, so, free. so we, it was all, yeah, it all was the, all free. <laughs> all the flights were free because yeah, Thank it, it, it would have been like, like same day flights for those who fly quite a bit. Yeah, good luck getting it under like you know for two thousand bucks or more, kind of like ridiculously expensive. Right. But it seemed like all those points that we were racking up to go to Australia, it was I had to burn through it all just to kind of go back home in order to get this dang house. And I must have how many? I can't even count. Like it must have been like all like five six weekends. Yeah. Back to back, basically coming there, yeah. getting it all straightened out. My and the gosh. problem was very stupid. I think, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the issue was that the house value was so low compared to the actual value. The the, the assessment was done wrong, and uh, because of that, we could not just put five percent down, which is what uh, we're, we which were, is pretty standard for home first home buyers. First home buyers, that's right. That's that's what we're planning to to do, and they didn't allow us because the the asking price was so much higher than the value so they they wanted to protect protect themselves so we had to i don't know figure something out gather money around to make it to like a a 20 percent down well no actually in that in that particular case the first time they wanted more than 20 percent because they want 35 percent they wanted something ridiculous yeah there was some ridiculous it was way beyond what we could afford uh, so eventually with the help of family we gathered that amount and they redid the assessment for some reason that was too hard too, too long to explain they redid the assessment and then it turned out that it was exactly the asking price. Yeah. So. We ended up being able to only put 20% down, but it was so, so hard. And the buyers were getting NC. We were getting NC. We thought we'd lose our deposit. It was so dramatic. Yeah. It but it, after five or six trips up here, it worked out. We signed the papers and the house yeah, was and bas- ours. And basically, in the end, we ended up, we didn't end up borrowing anything from anyone. That's I right. Think we, it we worked put out perfectly. Exactly all of our savings into this into this house so you know it's again it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like lord what are you asking us to do um and yeah it's been a it's been an interesting experience since i mean like i would say like we can kind of go through sort of the pros and cons i mean like one thing that we really love to do um as a hobby together is uh we love to garden um that's something we we discovered early on like our first summer there we we it was it was a horrible garden but we kind of we we, like in our area where we live squash grows very abundantly butternut squash and all this other stuff Uh, our soil is sandy and we live in ontario's garden the place in canada where uh, all the like most of the squash grow and Uh, most of uh, other stuff i mean we we're we're really yeah very easy we have beautiful soil and uh the first time we bought the house in june so we couldn't really plant earlier so we planted a bunch of stuff like yeah while in, we were visiting june. yeah well we planted while we were visiting the the house or even like mid-June, in the, yeah, mid-June. mid-june we left for like three weeks and like we didn't water and it was like a drought for like three weeks or like no water weeds were going growing like crazy, crazy. yeah and when we got there it was overridden with weeds so we we thought it was it was done and we couldn't do anything but stuff grew we had so many squash so many carrots Oh, other yeah. stuff so many green beans so we kind of butchered it the first time but it's amazing to see how how it can still work right so 
I think since then, I like for us, that was kind of uh, one thing we liked to sh- like again, like pulling out weeds and stuff like that. Oh, it's I a, love it. It's a fun pastime activity. I find even too, it's very satisfying in a sense to kind of just like yeah. you see these little these little edible plants just trying to survive, especially like uh, what's it called carrot because it's such like a fine little like yes. little sprout. And just these nasty. I really hate weeds, and it's just the idea of just it's being. Like sins. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's really just like just being able to yank them out and just especially um yeah it was just really good. Um, well, for me, it's a brainless activity. That's exactly the type of work I like to do. It does not require any thinking. You just you know you just pull the weeds, and it's very calming, very satisfying. So yeah, gardening is definitely. I mean, if some people love to do that, I mean, yeah, you can go nuts. I mean, with eight acres, we we just made a tiny little garden, but kept us busy. Another little little thing that we planted we also um our soil around here in this area is really good for for grapes and to make wine so we me and my brother we planted a a hundred grapevines uh chardonnay and riesling just to really test out like this wasn't like we were kind of thinking like we have no idea where this is going to go let's see if we can even plant something and sort of make something of it and unfortunately like we're at we've they've, they've been there for two years now and i think right now in the third year they would have made some grapes but unfortunately we're not going to be here so it's a shame we couldn't see that one to fruition. Um, the but next owner will enjoy them. The next owner will enjoy them. But this is kind of like, again, we're just kind of highlighting the little projects that we kind of start to do around here. Um, Your bees. Now, that was oh, a success. Bees. bees, yeah. And bees were, yeah, honeys for, for pe- those interested in kind of making your own honey. Yeah, bees is definitely, I actually really enjoyed it. It was very, it was a very short time. There's a lot of, I've made a few mistakes for sure. Um, but there's something about, honestly, and I, you can maybe attest to making your own honey, having your own honey. Uh, that's, there's something. I am terrified of bees, wasps. I am so scared of them. I did not want to have hives. I I didn't. And I only agreed because Joe said he would put them at the very end of our property, far from the house. But, and I didn't have to do anything and you didn't even, even have to do that much. It wasn't very time consuming, checking up on them a few times. And when we harvested the honey, I... I just loved it. It was so good. I would drink it straight out of the jar. It was yeah, delicious, that's honey. Something. So, I mean, lots of, yeah, if you want to keep busy, eight acres is definitely a thing for you. Um, I think some of the challenges, you know, hands down, uh, when we had, we were renewing the house. So my time, I was spread very thin in terms of, and at the same time, we had like, we had a, a, a newborn um, kind of coming in and a newborn afterwards as well. It was maybe for me. I, I think it was definitely a bit overwhelming. Um, I find like I need time to recharge, to read, to kind of sit, and yeah. this kind of lifestyle. It's not for every temperament. Like it's. I think I, I could have done it uh, better, but at the same time, I wasn't willing to sacrifice sort of my spiritual activities in order to kind of deal with everything. And there's just a lot to do. There's always something to do. And if I would have been able to do something, of course it would have helped you, but I was always busy with babies. I had oh, two yeah, babies yeah. while we were here. And they were and they were and they were tough. I mean Teresa, yeah, she was That's she right. she was crying all the time and stuff like that. So in and in those moments you needed support. So it's kind of like, well I can't do everything and anything that I want. Right. So it's it really, uh, in hindsight, maybe this place would have been better if we had older kids yes. to be kind of help us out a little bit, who can kind of roam a little bit and kind of take care, you know, play by themselves That's outside. Another thing. Yeah, they, there was no fenced-in backyard, so I couldn't just send Teresa to play outside. I yeah. had to go with her, and then with Monica, it didn't really happen didn't that really often. Happen. And she loves playing outside. And That's I mean, a shame. Yeah, aside, uh, so a few other things. I mean, just very quickly, you got to expect to deal with rodents. You know, I had to deal with two rats. Very... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can go through that in a lot of detail, but... 
Oh, not pleasant. Nope. Creepy little creature. Very smart, I've learned the hard way. Um, little rodents. Uh, what else? Countless mice, yeah. Countless mice. Winters. Winters oh, were okay. Creepy bugs. Creepy we bugs. call them stink bugs. I, I, I forget their real names, but they're so stinky when you squish them. And I would say another big thing is you're, you're really far from everything, and especially like for you, you know, the yep. community aspect. We, we found a community, and people were really friendly and really welcoming, but they were just, they were just far. Yeah, far. They were busy. They had their own they lives. Busy. They had other families somewhere far away, too. So that is a little bit, I think, as a young family coming in. I mean, there, it was challenging. It was exciting. I think I, there's no, no regrets. Regret no, no, no regret. No regrets. If anything, in the future, we kind of know we're a little bit wiser as to what, what we would think is manageable. That's right. What we can and can't do. But, yeah, by no means, no regrets. So we'll take a little break right now, and we'll come back with our second section. Now listen to the melody. Maybe it come from me, Sally. And I can sing like Buddy Nelly. I think it's plain to sing. Some people say that the great. So welcome back. Um... We thought it like I, I kind of briefly touched in the first half uh, that I was um, sort of in my second year right now of the, the secular Discalced Carmelites. Thought I'd talk, chat a little bit about that. Uh, Geneviève will kind of chat about sort of her thoughts on third order, secular order. She's been looking into a few things herself. Maybe you can, she'll touch a little bit about her, her type of spirituality, what speaks to her. And I'll kind of talk a little bit about why I chose the Carmelites, um, what has drawn me to them. And just sort of dive into uh, some details about that for folks that are maybe considering that themselves. So, um, again, as I mentioned, uh, when we moved here, I was already kind of thinking through this uh, discernment for a while. And this is something my one of my brothers and I had been kind of talking through a little bit at the same t- point kind of about joining the Discalced Carmelites. Um, why the Discalced Carmelites? You know, what is their charism? Again, the Discalced Carmelites, for those, you know, very famous saints such as uh, St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, these are sort of the Reformed Carmelites um, from the Old Carmel Order, who basically, yeah, their, their way of living is very focused heavily on contemplation, sort of mystical theology, spiritual theology. There's lots of words for what this, what this encap- encapsulates, but this is sort of the the divine, you know, the emphasis on the divine union with this our soul, with the with, with God's, in a sense, um, very very focused on quiet prayer, very kind of um, meditation heavy, you know. It's it's in many ways it speaks to kind of how I am naturally, in a sense. I am definitely sort of the the ponderer, the thinker, the meditator, just reading through things, and really I can chew on things. All day, very um, naturally for me. Yeah, meditation yeah. comes easy to you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just, it was one of those things as I was at that point, I was reading through St. Teresa of, of Avila's autobiography and it just, it just clicked, right? It was, I think, again, it was one of those uh, Holy Spirit moments that kind of drew me into that a little bit. So our, when we came here, I had already did some research and realized there was actually a, a group here in Tilsonburg, 10, 15 minutes away from us. And uh, I decided that when I moved here, that that's what I would join when I when I got here. So I've been doing that for the last two years. Um, it's been it's been a, it's been a good learning. Um, there's I'm, there's a lot of uncertainty right now just because of the of the move to Rome, what that's going to look like. Um, 
by no means am I looking forward to maybe having to stop doing the, because I'm still in my formation years. I'm not a professed member just yet. But it's something that I don't, I feel kind of, I don't know, like I don't want to give it up. But I will have to do some research to see whether I can continue it in, in Rome in English. I mean, but... That's the challenge. It's the language barrier. Yeah, because all the aspects of the, the secular order, you know, the daily meditation, Marian devotion, mass, all these things that are required. You can do that in English, but the, the big thing is the community life, which the meeting is done in your language. So I feel like that would be a, a, a bit of a barrier. I don't necessarily know right now how that's going to look like, um, but I'm going to have to kind of dig in sort of my members now just to see, you know, can I transition? Can I look at continuing it? Because, or is, is it time to maybe reflect a little bit as, as is this the, like the calling that I'm kind of for? There's because you're going to a Dominican university. In that's Rome. right. That's right. It's, that might be something you want to investigate further. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, I've been drawn again to the, even the Third Order Dominicans, the secular Dominicans as well. Again, the whole emphasis on teaching and preaching and just sort of their, their way of life also very heavily resonates with me as well. Um, I mean, and just to be clear, just for, for most orders, I mean, you're, it's not like one is more holier than another in a sense. It's really, you know, what of the orders or the cares and the spirit sort of most relates to you, what sort of God draws you to. But you'll find, I mean, even Dominicans, I mean, they pray the rosary, they do all the, the, the divine office. It's not like I wouldn't be doing that, but the charism might be slightly different. But that's not to say that Dominicans or even, you know, my wife will chat a little bit more about other orders. They don't necessarily desire, don't desire, they all do. Everyone desires divine union with God, right? It's it's just this is sort of the particular focus of each of them, so... And I know Geneviève, I mean, I've, I've kind of bounced the idea of, you know, joining an order and I don't well, know Well, the, the, the way it worked out, the way it worked is that um, I struggle with prayer because I am such a, such a pragmatic person. For me, it's really hard to have this discussion with a being that I can't see and who can't reply to me in a very concrete manner. I'm not saying he's not doing it, but I find it really hard to... Um, um, uh, wrap my mind around it it's really hard and even just meditation um i say always as a joke that my mind is a very simple place but um it's hard for me to think about something in my mind i I feel i exhaust all the the thoughts that i might have very quickly and uh, so the idea of spending 30 minutes in meditation is so scary and I, i feel i can't do it um, so I've been working on it a little bit, reading. And one thing that works for me is if I read something that speaks to me, I'll say it out loud to Joe and we'll talk about it back and forth. And that is maybe an introduction to meditation for me. Just uh, the idea of thinking um, a thought or thinking about a sentence or an idea yeah. further in my mind. So th- that's a starting point. But um, one day I told Joe, um, you know, I-, I don't know I don't know how to make... M- it easier for me to pray and then I thought about it for a second and I said I'm really good at following orders yeah. <laughs> so if you tell me if it's an obligation or if I have a, a strict schedule to follow then I'll be able to pray and he said oh well that's what an order is uh, you should join the Carmelites with me so um, I thought about it and then I looked it I looked it up a bit further and it's like Joe said it's very mystical very meditative very contemplative and yeah. Um, I don't feel I didn't feel drawn to that at all, and I mentioned it previ- 
previous podcast that the Carmelite Saints didn't really speak to me. Maybe a little bit more Saint Therese, but even then, not really. So I, I looked up a few of the orders and one that stood stood out, and I still don't know much about it, but I think I would like to investigate further the Franciscan order. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really see it as this this crazy, uh, love, nature-loving Nature kind loving, of uh, yeah. kumbaya kind of order. I see it as a loving, peaceful, um, helping helping your neighbor kind of order also very oriented towards prayer so that would help me with that and with the routine and the schedule and everything but um every based on my research again i don't know much but uh, every member has to have a an, uh, an activity that they do um, yeah, apostolate maybe. apostolate yeah. yeah for social justice so I, I don't know what it could be maybe for me it could be pro-life work because i'm very drawn to uh pro-life issues yeah. Or it could be helping the poor. And we did that a little bit in Houston. We started to give food to, to homeless people once every couple of weeks. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I really enjoy that. And I've, I, we mentioned before, I'm, I'm a people person a little bit more than, than Joe is. So for me, relating to people and, and um, being able to experience God that way is something that speaks to me much more than only you know, a recluse life and meditation and that. So living poverty, helping the poor, um, all through prayer and union with God, that's something that sounds really appealing to me. And and again, they have they have rules that are very peaceful and you're not yeah. allowed to bear arms and stuff like that. I, I love that. I, I'm as a phlegmatic I'm very very much about peace and yeah. diplomacy and, and all that. So I know that there are some Franciscan orders in Rome the question is, will my Italian be good enough for me to be able to keep up with them? I need to practice. Um, my sister-in-law's mother, um, I saw her over the holidays, and she speaks perfect Italian. So when she learned that we were going to Rome, she started chatting with me. And I I just couldn't speak. I couldn't remember anything Surprising. for the life of me. Yeah. I understood everything she said. It was it was perfect. I understood everything. I just couldn't speak. I hmm. looked like an idiot. I was like, um, um, Buon Natale. Humility, humility. I know. It was very, very, uh, very humbling experience for me. So I really need to get yeah. going on that Italian. Um, and I just want to just, just preface something here. I don't want it to, to sound like... Um, the the joining of an order is just some kind of willy nilly activity. Like, hey, I feel like doing something. Well, you should be this order. Hey, or you know, this is um. There is a lot of serious discernment. I mean, these, this is a right. it's a it's a calling in a sense. This isn't something you just make up within yourself and say, hey, I feel, hey, I feel like again, I I, I can spend hours talking about spiritual theology and especially around sort of the the abuses as it comes to contemplation. But uh, I I do find. There is this tendency, well, of course, I want to have the highest form of prayer. Of course, I want to uh, be in divine union of God. Um, so this is what I will strive for. So, I mean, the motivations have to be in the right place. The prayer has to be there. You're not just, again, if the goal is just to kind of, hey, this sounds like some uh, secret way of getting into union of God so I can have ecstasies and visions. Eh, you know, this isn't this isn't how this works. I mean, you have to you have to really prayerfully meditate and again for me like this is just something like even the rome thing like it's the carmelite group and i believe that's why it'll it'll probably still continue for me um this is something that the lord kind of puts in your heart and you know it's this isn't you know sometimes we have to 
we have to be mindful not to go beyond our reach in terms of again this whole like this whole love affair with contemplation this highest form of prayer again many carmelite saints will tell you that many people most people, most people will never reach that form of prayer and that's something we as carmelites have to accept as well too right it's this is a gift but this is kind of one of those things where you know i do see quite a bit of the of the the air in some of these uh, carmelites groups is kind of okay this is kind of like a little club. We're going to find out the secrets of prayer, and we're going to get to these these visions. And that's and that's unfortunately you don't you do not love, and you've probably heard this time and time again. You don't love the God, the consolations of God. You love the God of consolations, right? So it's always being very careful not to get just kind of attracted by you know you read a little bit of Saint John of the Cross or Saint Therese. And you're like, oh, I I want that. You have to really prayerfully discern it because it yeah. might not be the right motivation. And that's why the process is so lengthy as well. You don't just oh, yeah. become a Carmelite instantly. You're you've been at it for two years and you're still not a professed member. Right? Yeah. It's it'll it'll take six years. And yeah. again, so it's even for me. I mean, this is still again just with the whole Rome adventure. This is. This is definitely causing me to kind of reflect a little bit of what that means, right? So I think yeah. if the Lord wishes it to continue, the doors will open. Um, even if it has to pause for a little bit, there's no there's no issue in me resuming it when I return, um, which is perfectly fine. I mean, I am the youngest guy. I am kind of like a, a freak in, in some ways in terms of the Carmel, you know, the average age being probably around 60 plus. And, you and know, mostly women. And mostly women, and then here I am. You know, I started when I was oh, two years ago, so I must. I started when I was twenty-seven. 27. Uh, I was definitely like, w- "Are you lost? This isn't uh, this isn't a Burger King or something." You're in. It's like, no, I'm here. So you have to. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great decision, great thing to do, but you know, definitely pray over it, ponder it, see what God calls you, and uh, don't force it. This this shouldn't be a forced thing, even even That's for right. you, it shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as you're growing in your faith and becoming better that that's that's a good starting point and then keep on discerning and god will help you figure it out yeah and uh, i think maybe in you know future episodes i'll definitely spend a little bit more time talking about sort of the carmelites and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about you know franciscan order as well as we kind of keep on discerning you know as we keep on growing closer and closer towards rome and we'll figure out all these things but uh yeah Definitely, uh, definitely just wanted to kind of give you folks a little bit of taste of that. And but you know, if you if this is something that speaks to you, you know, please feel free to reach out to us and we can definitely uh, uh, answer some questions on that. As yeah, as you can email on. you can e- email us at Rome is home podcast at gmail dot com, or you can visit our Facebook page. Either work, just write. And if you have any questions or comments, thanks for listening and catch us next week on Rome is home. Yeah.